Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello, producer Annabelle hello, Lee. Hello, friends. Hello. Coming up on today's show, Jennifer Klein's Day of Indulgence is apparently one of the most coveted invitations in LA. We just have a few questions we'd like to ask about it. Then, Channel 10's Dire, the Bachelor ratings, unpacking Bama Rush, and why it took over TikTok this week, and then a new segment that we will be dropping whenever we feel like it, because we can. <laughs> we open the shameless mailbag and tackle an anonymous listener's conversational challenge for reconnecting. But first, Michelle, how was your week? How was my week? Not much to report. I think it's been a tricky week. I will say that for most people, I think, listening to this podcast have had a trickier week than usual. I am trying to limit my relationship with my phone and trying to boost my sense of well-being and happiness. It's tricky and it's difficult, but we will get there. Yeah, I think, and I will say, we're not really going to dwell this week because I think we're very acutely aware that this is one of the places that people come to sort of relieve themselves and I guess find a bit of comfort, I hope. But I would say this has been probably one of the darker weeks in well over a year. So we know that, we are well aware of that. We have created and structured an episode today that we hope will provide you some sort of comfort and relief from whatever is going on in your world or whatever is going on in the world in general. We all need a hug. Guys, this episode we have tried to curate as an audio hug for your ears and your mind and your soul. So we promise if there's any dark stuff in this episode, it's for a good reason. We have limited it wherever we can. We have tried to maximise the sugar and the fun and the nourishing stuff. I mean, that is our job, so how lucky are we? Mish, do you have a recommendation this week that fits into that? Well, just as I said that, I'm like, let me give you a dark recommendation though. So Mitch and I binged four episodes of a documentary series called Pistorius on Amazon Prime this week. 
Annabelle, have you heard about it? I've heard about the case, but I haven't heard about the show. Yeah. Zara, you're watching it now? Yeah, I finished it. I watched it kind of at the minute you started the first episode. I was like, this has me written all over it. We're going to binge it too. Yeah. So if Pistorius sounds familiar, that is the surname of Oscar Pistorius, a world famous Paralympian and Olympian. He was born with a condition that meant that his legs were amputated just below the knee, I believe, and went on to be such a successful Paralympic runner that he actually qualified and ran in the 2012 London Olympics. Now He was known as the Blade Runner. He was known as the Blade Runner. He was making millions and millions of dollars in endorsement deals. He truly was the golden boy of the Olympics and Paralympics that year. Now, things took a turn when Oscar Pistorius was charged with the murder of his new girlfriend, girlfriend in three months, Reva Steenkamp. This is a documentary series tracking Oscar's life and tracking this court case. And I've got to say, I feel like I learned a lot about current day tensions and the current day climate in South Africa watching this. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, this was a really good recommendation from you because yes, it's a a bit on the darker side, but it's also so engrossing that you feel completely distracted. And I think Mm. that's the most important thing from a recommendation at the moment. I was really intrigued because there were some moments, I'm not going to lie, that did make me feel a tiny bit uncomfortable. There was definitely people who were interviewed in the documentary who wanted to kind of explain out Mm. Oscar's behaviour and I was sitting there and my instinct was like, but you can't, you simply can't. But I think that's the beauty of documentaries like this when you have people from all across the spectrum giving their opinions. It kind of is what makes it so great. Yeah, I think that was the strength of this for sure. You got a 360 degree angle of the perspectives that could be had on this case I absolutely think he did it. I absolutely think the second charge. I mean, he he was convicted. He was convicted. But I love how they incorporated everyone's viewpoints on this and gave such a holistic view. What about you? How was your week? I mean, much the same. I tried to kind of consume about as much light content as I could. And I very much turned to TV, I think, when I want Mm. light content. I feel like podcasts, I tend to listen to heavier stuff. So... I watched Hacks on Stan. Have you guys heard of it? No. H-A-X or H-A-C-K-S? H-A-C-K-S. Hacks. It is apparently, I mean, news articles are calling it the greatest TV show of this year and that it's been nominated for every Emmy ever. Wow. Yeah. So it is about a comedian, a, I guess I'm going to call her a mature age comedian who lives out of Las Vegas, who's sort of at this point in her career where jobs are starting to be taken from her and people would argue that maybe it's the beginning of the end. Mm. And then you've also got the other main character who's a really young writer, also a comedian who has just been quote unquote cancelled for a joke <laughs> that she wrote on Twitter. And they're thrown together to kind of work as a duo. And it's such a classic. They both hate each other at the start. But it's one of the first shows I've seen in a really long time where the main actress is a mature aged woman like it's Jean Smart and she is just incredible I loved her in Mayor of Easttown if anyone watched that one so it's just the kind of show where it's like you don't see a woman of a certain age getting all the screen time ever so it's really cool and it's really nice and light so if that's what you're after hacks on stand they're like 30 minute episodes there's about 
eight to ten of them. I always get confused. <laughs> but it's not like a huge commitment either. What was that show where I told everyone that there was like one or two more episodes than there were? So everyone got to episode <laughs> seven and was like, Mish said there were eight, another one's coming. That, Tiger King? Tiger King. Yeah, I, I finished episode seven waiting for one more and I was like furious. Actually, Ollie was angrier. Ollie was about to blow a lid. He was so mad at you. Also, have you realised we're dressed identically today? I'm I, just looking through. Oh, yeah. We, you're wearing a denim jacket with a beige jumper. As am I. So are you. We're twins. That's oh, just... man, I feel left out. <laughs> Annabelle in a grey T-shirt looking like an odd thumb out. <laughs> and one more thing just before we jump into the first segment of the show today. Like we said, we wanted to make this sort of a warm hug in your ears. And the best way we thought we could do that, Mish, was to actually organise a very random giveaway with all of the stuff that sits in our PR cupboard at work. Yeah, that's the thing. We are so lucky at Shameless. The entire team is really lucky that we do get sent PR deliveries every week. Brands are very generous with what they send to us, but we can only have so much. We are all at a point where we don't need the products that we have in our cupboard and we actually think they would give more joy to the community and to the listeners. And if anything's going to give joy right now it is books and skincare and makeup and accessories and all the fun stuff exactly so we thought let's put a whole box of it together and work out a how much it's worth and b how many people we can give it away to so we compiled all the stuff it's worth about two thousand dollars we're going to split it into two two pretty equal a thousand dollar prize packs and what we want you to do is today whenever you're listening up until about midnight upload a story of where you're listening to Shameless. That is the only thing you need to do to enter this. Tag us. Do realise, though, that if your profile on Instagram is on private, we won't be able to see it. So Mm. you need to be on public to be able to enter this competition. But that's all you have to do. Take a photo, show us where you're listening to Shameless, tag us and go in the running to win this giveaway. Yeah, absolutely, guys. We'd love to see where you listen. Hopefully you can all get out into the sunshine, enjoy yourself in whatever way you can today. Make sure, though, it is on the 19th of August, 2021. Do not come to us in two years' time and be like, guys, (laughs) you said any day. You didn't specify 19th of August, 2021, right up until, did we say midnight, We said midnight. Midnight. If you enter, we will scroll through, pick two of you at random. You will win $1,000 worth of product because we just need it right now. We absolutely do. Now let's get into the first segment of the show. It is pretty easy segue if I may because we are talking about Jennifer Klein's gifting party or Jennifer Klein's day of indulgence which is probably LA's most coveted invitation that you've never heard of. I can't believe we managed to do that. Guys we're giving you the shameless day of indulgence. You're so (laughs) welcome. So this came onto our radar this week because celebrities like J-Lo and Olivia Rodrigo were papped walking into this And a lot of celebrity tabloids, like we're talking In Style, Elle magazine, Lainey Gossip, Daily Mail, were sharing these pap shots and writing about like the most coveted invite in LA and the most exclusive all women's event in LA. And you and I, despite being in this job for quite a long time, had never heard of this until this year, but it's called Jennifer Klein's Day of Indulgence Party. And apparently the whole celebrity world adores it. Yeah, so apparently it's been going for about 20 years. And it's, I guess, billed as like a celebrity super fate. So this is according to InStyle. Now, InStyle go to Jennifer Klein's Day of Indulgence. And by the way, you must <laughs> refer to it in its full title every time because that's what everybody else does. It's, it's, it's a weird cult and we will get it's into that. It's a cult, that. yes. Anyway, so InStyle wrote about Jennifer Klein's Day of Indulgence. <laughs> 
The super exclusive fate is unlike any other in Los Angeles, with Klein inviting her celebrity friends into her stunning home for a star-studded women's only day of pampering, an unbelievable array of free swag and over 80-pound Samsonite suitcases and Le Sport Sack weekenders filled to the brim with gifts for each guest. Yeah, so apparently you walk into this star-studded A-list party and there are stalls set up inside. It's a fate. It's, it's, a, it's like your primary school fate on steroids. <laughs> but way, way better. Instead of getting that plastic fish that rolls around <laughs> in your hand, you get anything you want. So basically everything from rag and bone jeans to fancy hand creams to luxury cocktails and even massages, you walk in, it's like a gifting extravaganza, you walk back out. Yeah, there are even like free stays at Four Seasons Hotel and that's not Four Seasons Gardening, whatever the fuck the Trump home. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Four Seasons Condoms. No, Four Seasons Hotel. I tried to I tried to crack a joke about Donald Trump's Four Seasons Gardening. It didn't land at all. Anyway. The best jokes need to be explained. <laughs> anyway, free stays at hotels. Anyway, so as you said, Mish, guests are graded from the minute they walk in out of valet with either an iced coffee or a cocktail. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. And in terms of who's invited to this, we're talking about every basically major female celebrity in LA from, as we said, J-Lo to Olivia Rodrigo. But we're also talking about Kristen Bell, Emma Roberts, Kerry Washington, Rebel Wilson, Anna Faris, Kaylee Cuoco, Busy Phillips, Gabrielle <laughs> Union, Shonda Rhimes, Tyra Banks, Leah Michelle, Lily Reinhart, Lily Collins, Melissa McCarthy, Halle Berry. Yeah. And I'm confused. Like I am confused because these celebrities would already be getting so much stuff for free. Yes. Like they're already getting PR parcels. So I am a little bit confused as to why they're all going to this party. It does sound to me like money is definitely moving here somewhere. This is too orchestrated and the way this is written about in the media is too particular for it to just be a fun party with nothing else going on. Like I really want to read an excerpt from InStyle in 2016 who write a piece about this every year, as we said. This is like their bread and butter. This is from the article. It's so much fun, Jennifer Lopez told InStyle. Such a girl's day. Lopez headed to the backyard for some retail therapy where brands like Giorgio Armani Beauty, Alexis Bitter, Henry Bendel and Atelier Cologne provided pop-up shops. While Lopez scooped up a red lip maestro hue from Armani, Isla Fisher and Amy Adams took home the ultimate nourishing honey mask from Fresh's mask menu table and Lee Michelle swooned over the cruelty-free MOTD cosmetic brushes at Anthropology's booth and the bra and thin stinks at the Spanx station. <laughs> so, like, are the brands paying Jennifer Klein to have their brands featured at this party and then written about in the media? Like, is this one big ad? Yes, it's a huge big <laughs> ad party. It suddenly feels to me, this is so weird, but when I started to really think about it, how, like, People are paying so much money to clearly be at this party. InStyle writes it in such a way where every brand is mentioned, like littered throughout the pieces. I'm like, it feels almost a bit dystopian. <laughs> like this is like capitalism <laughs> at its absolute peak. And I don't know if I love it or if I hate it. The conversation you and I also had, Michelle, was would celebrities get paid to attend? And I actually just don't think it's even possible. Like for someone like Olivia Rodrigo or Jennifer Lopez, who is raking in cash, 
how much would you need to pay them for attendance at a party? It would be like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So they just must turn up to get through free stuff. <laughs> but like, they're so wealthy. Jennifer Lopez, we touched on this a month or so ago. Buy buying... your own anthropology brush. <laughs> She's looking at a home that costs tens of millions of dollars. Why does she need free lipsticks and free <laughs> Spanx station goodies? Like, doesn't she just get gifted that already or buy it for herself? I'm just confused as to why everyone wants to go. Well, here is our major... <laughs> major question mark over this entire event and Michelle and I weren't actually planning for this to be a segment we just lost our minds yesterday because we started being like who the fuck is Jennifer I Klein her. Yeah. I'm like what the fuck who is Jennifer Klein and how is she throwing this party and the funniest thing about Jennifer Klein is she's meant to be a Hollywood producer but when you google Jennifer Klein an academic comes up so that's yeah. that's who Annabelle thinks she is you're about to say that she's an academic I was like how did she get in the mix well this is what's so funny Jennifer Klein clearly no disrespect to Jennifer Klein. And to be totally honest with you, Jennifer Klein seems like she's doing well enough without me complimenting or offending her. But she's clearly not famous enough to even come up on Google as the first Jennifer Klein in the world. Then you Google Jennifer Klein producer. You have an IMDb page that kind of has like three films <laughs> and the last one was in 2001. So how the hell does a woman like Jennifer Klein this apparent movie producer <laughs> had this much clout in Hollywood when we can't find her on Google. And you would think that if you're naming a party after yourself, like if you're going to the level of saying this is Michelle Andrews's day of indulgence, <laughs> you clearly want a profile. So you're clearly like setting up an Instagram account or a Twitter or something for people to find you. Why would you name it Jennifer Klein's day of indulgence and insist every celebrity calls it that? In its entirety. But then be like just this international woman of mystery she's, on the internet. She's the faceless gifter <laughs> if I've ever heard one. I'm so confused. She's literally nowhere. So if anyone knows who Jennifer Klein is, I mean, there's a couple of like grainy photos on Google. If anyone has anything else to add, please tell us how she's created Jennifer Klein's <laughs> day of indulgence to be LA's most coveted invitation because we are that confused. And if you are Jennifer Klein, please let us know. <laughs> Can we copy? An invite. <laughs> Coming up after the break, Channel 10's dire Bachelor ratings, unpacking Bama Rush, and finally, Zara, we open the shameless mailbag. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Zara, I want free shit McDonald. What have you got for us? I want to go to Jennifer Klein's day of indulgence. <laughs> that kind of free shit. <laughs> My first story. Nicki Minaj and husband sued, accused of harassing sexual assault victim. That is from the New York Times. And a really quick trigger warning before we get into this story. This one is on the darker side and we will discuss issues around sexual assault. So it may be triggering for some listeners. Yep. Skip forward a couple of minutes if you don't want the details of this assault. We'll give them as soon as we can so that you guys can skip them if you want to. So the basics, first of all, Nicki Minaj, obviously musician, rapper extraordinaire, has been married to her husband and the father of her son since 2019. They got married 10 months after they began dating. His name is Kenneth Petty. 
They've actually known each other since they were childhood friends. So they go back decades. Yeah. At the time of them marrying, Kenneth Petty was a known rapist. So he pleaded guilty to the 1994 violent sexual assault of a 16-year-old girl who lived in his neighbourhood. Her name was Jennifer Hugh and he attacked her at knife point. He was arrested the day of the assault and did eventually serve four and a half years in prison. Yeah. So obviously this is quite an old story, 1994. But the reason it has come up again is that Kenneth has been in pretty continual legal trouble across his life. So most recently in 2020, Kenneth Petty failed to register as a sex offender in the state of California, which is a legal requirement for anyone found guilty of rape. It's a federal crime if you fail to do that. He did not register himself and was arrested last year. Now, why is it important for Kenneth Petty to put himself on this registry? Because he's been deemed a media risk to the community. Police and authorities believe that he could re-offend and therefore he has to be on this database for people to be able to see where he is. Yeah, it is also worth noting that Petty did actually return to prison in 2006 after a first-degree manslaughter conviction. So he served almost seven years before being released on parole in May 2013. Now, the short story is News headlines sparked renewed interest, obviously, in Kenneth Petty's story and criminal history, which obviously does huge amounts of damage to Nicki Minaj's personal brand. And so according to new allegations published by the New York Times, the couple potentially and allegedly went to extreme lengths to limit that damage. Yeah. So where are we now? Jennifer Hugh, that 1994 rape victim, has filed a lawsuit late last week alleging that Nicki Minaj and Kenneth Petty harassed and intimidated her while trying to convince her to recant her account of her assault. Now, obviously, it is not ideal for a major star in the music industry to be associated with headlines like this. Potentially, allegedly, conversations were happening between Nicki Minaj and Kenneth Petty about needing to distance themselves from this 1994 story. And Jennifer Hughes says they certainly asserted that to her and they certainly made her feel like she needed to say the story wasn't true and it didn't actually happen. Yeah, so the lawsuit actually alleges that there have been instances where Jennifer Hugh has actually been offered up to $500,000 to recant her story. There was also a proposed bonus that Nicki Minaj would send birthday videos or birthday messages to her daughter. But Jennifer Hugh said she declined both. And the lawsuit also says that Jennifer Hugh hasn't worked since May 2020 because of, you know, how she's been feeling about this harassment. So she says she's been experiencing severe depression and paranoia. Just a really intense story for today. I mean, I know we said we promised a warm (laughs) hug for your ears and I got halfway through this story being like, oops, but it is one of the biggest celebrity stories around this week. So we have to talk about it. But just insane allegations for one of the most famous female rappers in the world. Yeah, I think as well it's been a little bit disappointing to see how Nicki Minaj has handled this in a variation of ways. One way was responding to commenters on her Instagram when she announced that she was getting married to Kenneth Petty. People came back to her and said, why are you marrying a rapist? And she did really downplay the assaults that he spent four and a half years in prison for. So I just wish like at the very, very least... 
at least acknowledge what actually happened instead of twisting facts and changing stories. Like that's traumatic enough for Jennifer Hugh, but also for any victim of rape or sexual assault. Yeah, exactly. My second story. Laura Prepon reveals she stopped practicing Scientology. It is no longer part of my life. That is from USA Today. And Mish, this one goes out to any of our scandal listeners Mm. who listen to our three-part series on Scientology. Yeah, we did touch on Laura Prepon in that three-part scandal series. We spoke about her long-running affiliation with the church, the fact that she had been on the cover of Scientology's magazine, Celebrity. She was a big face of the church and a big part of their celebrity PR pull. Yeah, exactly. So she's just done an interview with People Which Broke on Wednesday where she said, I'm no longer practicing Scientology. I've always been very open-minded, even since I was a child. I was raised Catholic and Jewish. I've prayed in churches, meditated in temples. I've studied Chinese meridian theory. I haven't practiced Scientology in close to five years and it's no longer part of my life. Yeah, interestingly, if you look at the timelines going on here, she says, I haven't practiced in around about five years. Five years ago was actually when Ben Foster, her now husband and the father of her two children, came into her life. And I wonder if meeting someone new, falling in love with someone new, could have bolstered her and made her feel like I can leave this church and now is the time to leave. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a really, really interesting one. I am so surprised that it's taken her nearly five years to say it publicly. Mm. But then maybe that's not surprising at all when it comes to what we know about the church and sometimes it can be hard for people to speak publicly. So, yeah, really, really interesting development in that story. My third story today. Channel 10 records worryingly low ratings result over the past week. That is from news.com. Very worrying. I mean, often we see headlines like this and there's been a little bit of a dip in results for a reality TV show. But I think this situation for The Bachelor and Channel 10 is pretty dire. So if you missed it on premiere night for Jimmy's season of The Bachelor, 482,000 Metro viewers tuned in. Now to juxtapose that with Farmer Wants a Wife, our new favourite salacious reality TV show on Seven, they got 835,000 Metro viewers. Now 482,000 for The Bachelor on a premiere night is bad enough, let alone when you consider the fact that so many other programs smashed it out of the park. Channel 9's travel guides got 597,000 Metro viewers and Hard Quiz on the ABC beat it as well with 502,000 viewers. I don't know what Nine's travel guide is. Um, That was the show I was almost on with Evelyn. Oh, you applied for that show. I got through, fun fact, guys, (laughs) Shameless would never have existed if this had come off in my life. Actually, it might have been longer before we started Shameless. It was before Shameless. It might have been the job that I was doing before this. I applied with my sister Evelyn. We got through to the final round and then they didn't pick me, I think, because I'm in the media and they don't really like... Oh, that's sorry. (laughs) The only reason I didn't get picked is because of my job. What the... Sorry. I was 22 at this time, so I didn't have any profile, but they said they don't like or one of the producers called us and said, we don't want people who will potentially write about the inner workings of this. (laughs) That's fair. You can understand that. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious why they wouldn't want a pop culture journalist on a reality show where they can then get off and be like, here's my clickbait article about why (laughs) reality shows are toxic. (laughs) It's so true though. Like (laughs) they would be quite worried that people would be taking them for a ride, 100%. I've still never heard of the show 
show since though. I didn't even know that that was the show. I'm shocked that it's still going. It's not in a primetime spot at all. And yet they keep renewing it for season after season. It must have a very small but very loyal legion of fans. Yeah, wow. Back to The Bachelor anyway. <laughs> Rather than Michelle's sliding doors moment as a television star. Last year, Lockie Gilbert's episode of The Bachelor, just for some context, opened to 681,000 Metro viewers. And that was deemed a pretty dire result. Yeah. Before that, in 2019, Matt Agnew's season opened to 828,000 Metro viewers. So you can see it just steadily, steadily declining. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the pinnacle was Nick Cummins, who was potentially one of our worst bachelors. He had 940,000 Metro viewers. So over the last three to four years, this group of people tuning in has halved, less than halved. So things at Channel 10 must be quite frantic and a little bit concerning. I do think the number was low because Channel 10 did air The Bachelor, did premiere The Bachelor right on the cusp of the Olympics starting on Channel 7. I spent the entire duration of the Olympics with Channel 7 on watching the athletics in particular. It never even occurred to me to switch over to Channel 10 and see what was happening in The Bachelor. Yeah, I don't know. I think... It's interesting to me because last year when we were in lockdown, MasterChef went absolutely gangbusters, like ask one Annabelle Lee who would marry <laughs> MasterChef if she was allowed. And I think there is definitely a market for sugar at a time when so many people are locked at home. So it's bizarre to me that they weren't able to capitalise on that. I mean, what's even more awkward is they're hitting a record low now. Like subsequent weeks have been even worse. They hit a low of 360,000 Metro viewers and now double episodes have been airing, which is something we haven't seen together. So they're kind of trying to, it looks like anyway, Channel 10 have denied this, but it looks like they're trying to rush the season through. Yeah, to put two episodes on a night tells a pretty clear picture, right? Like it paints a pretty clear story and the story's not good at all. There are also whispers in the industry that this might be the final season of The Bachelor to air ever in Australia. It might be rested for a couple of years or it might be cancelled full stop. A lot of Channel 10's hopes seem to be riding on Brooke Blurden's season of The Bachelorette. Now, we're not clear when that will air. I do think that will be a successful season. I think Brooke is incredible and great talent for the show. I think it will finally revive a franchise that we've thought is dying for quite some time. Do I think it will be enough to revive the whole show? I'm not sure. I think they've flogged a dead horse, to be honest, for quite a while. Yeah, I also think, to be totally honest with you, I don't know many people my age whose television habits include sitting down twice a week to watch a television show. Mm. Like if they want to attract an audience that is young and female, I am almost exclusively on streaming platforms. Yeah. And it's like I don't want to wait a day, I don't want to wait a week. And to be totally honest with you, when I am then perhaps able to watch it on a 10 play, there are too many ads. I agree. There are too many ads on 10 play. They have pointed to 10 play as being the strength of The Bachelor and where they're getting all their viewers, but I'm not sure. None of my friends are watching it. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, I can't imagine this is going on after Brooke Blurton's season of The Bachelorette unless something really, really drastic happens. Well, I think, and I wonder if you guys will agree with me, I think the Achilles heel of The Bachelor right now is it's just too overproduced. I don't buy any of it. The music is too intense. The storylines are too saccharine 
driven and manipulated. I feel like I'm watching quite a cheap drama, to be honest. And I think the reason shows like Love Island have done so well internationally with Australian audiences, I know a bunch of Shameless listeners are loving Love Island UK right now, which is on Nine Now, is because the editing is so pared back. There is hardly any editing in Love Island compared to what we see in The Bachelor. And I think the setup of Love Island with they're actually in the house now, episodes go out the next day, producers really just have to show you what's happening as it's happening instead of having months and months to play puppet master and curate every sentence. I think audiences want that. Audiences want to lean in to that more pared back style. Yeah, my fourth story. Sam Burgess tells all on rehab and marriage breakdown with Phoebe. That is also from the Daily Telegraph. Now, Sam Burgess is probably best known for his career on the NRL field and for the very public breakdown of his marriage to wife Phoebe. This week, he was on the cover of Stella magazine. So it poses the question, why is this a particularly big deal? But it feels like a big deal, Mish, because in the last 18 months, some pretty heavy allegations have been levelled at Sam, including ones that relate to domestic violence. And these are, I should say, for the record, allegations that he categorically denies. But you might remember towards the end of last year, we actually spoke about it on the podcast. The Australian published a really detailed account of how his former NRL club, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, allegedly covered up claims of drug abuse and domestic violence to protect him. And then a few months later, he actually pleaded guilty to a driving charge after testing positive for cocaine at a roadside drug test on the way to pick up his children. Yeah, we should put on the record that Sam Burgess and the South Sydney Rabbitohs deny those allegations in full. Sam Burgess is in the media again because he is starring in the upcoming season of SAS Australia. You could say that he's on a bit of a redemption tour. I think there's actually more than one person on the cast of SAS Australia that has domestic assault allegations against their name in their history. Now, the Stella profile was, you could say, a bit of a puff piece. Yeah. So what's really interesting about this piece is it wasn't like really they brought anyone else into the profile and it wasn't like a normal Stella profile where you've got a writer writing a profile with input from other people. It was very much question answer. So the editor of Stella asked the question and then it was printed with Sam's answer. So it was very much just that two-way conversation. Stella very interestingly acknowledged that they were going to cop some criticism for putting him on the cover. They wrote that in their piece. And I thought, yeah, you absolutely will. And rightly so. There is an investigation into domestic violence ongoing. He hasn't been charged and that should be on the record. But there is an investigation still ongoing. And so you could have a conversation for ages about whether we really should be platforming people while these investigations are still going on. But the bigger question for me and the question I have for Stella is when they posted the photo of Sam Burgess on their Instagram page, so when they posted their cover, they turned off their comments. If you know that the decisions you're making about who you're putting on your cover is going to raise some eyebrows, be accountable to that. Like if you know it's going to cop some criticism, engage with your listeners. Don't shut them out. It's totally cowardly. Sorry. It's very cowardly. And we've criticised Stella before this year on International Women's Day, we had some question marks about their cover again and their main profile piece again. But this for me is bordering on absurd that you as a publication would say, yeah, we're going to cop some criticism for this profile piece, but we're just going to shut that criticism down and not even open up a channel for it. You're a media publication. That's your job. Why the hell do you think it's appropriate to silence any of your readers? They have 
every right to share their opinion with you. Be tough and be present and listen to them. It is so bullshit to say, we're going to cop some feedback and then run away and not read a single word of it. Yeah, because they could just as easily, Stella could just as easily come back and say, well, he denies the allegations, that's why we're doing it. But engage in that conversation. I mean, Sam made this point in the article. He said, if we forever judge people for what's happened previously in their life, how can we expect anyone to ever move on? How can we expect anyone to be better? That sentiment is fine. Like, I agree with it to some level, but it's only been like six months. Are we really expected to brush allegations like these under the carpet after six months, even when he denies them? Like, can we just have a bit more time? Mm -hmm. It just feels very, very quick for mine. So we'd love to know why Stella turned off those comments when they don't do it for any other story. My fifth (laughs) story. This was the year we all became obsessed with Alabama Rush. That is from (laughs) Refinery29. This is my favourite TikTok trend perhaps ever. Now, if you are wondering what the hell is going on, Bama Rush, which I will try and call Bama Rush, Bama not Rush. Bama, no. <laughs> Bama Rush instead of Bama Rush, which is how I want to say it. This was a trend going around on TikTok that felt like almost the opening scenes of Legally Blonde. You know how Elle Woods is in a sorority yeah. and there's all the girls in the sorority in this big mansion and you kind of get a taste of sorority life? This was the only other time really in my life that I can remember where I saw sorority life play out. Are you on TikTok, Annabelle? No, I have no idea. Okay, what the so we about. have to kind of really strip this back in layman's terms, I think, Mish. So, Bama Rush videos have been viewed more than 250 million times this week. And it's basically a whole bunch of white, wealthy, often thin, really young women getting dressed up and they are auditioning for places in sororities at the University of Alabama. I love that it's an audition. I did not know this. It's one giant audition. So you have like thousands of young girls (laughs) going to sororities, trying to sell themselves to go into this sorority. So this is from The Cut. Bama, short for the University of Alabama, is known for its sororities. Last year, over 2,100 people participated in the school's virtual rush, vying for bids to join one of its 24 sororities. The slight southern drawl, paired with an energy best described as summer camp meets beauty pageant, makes for, in my opinion, a bizarrely mesmerising experience. (laughs) Everyone calls it recruitment. Like I'm trying to get recruited to my favourite sorority. And when I tell you everyone looks like a clone of Elle Woods, I mean it. I've never seen, and I say this as a blonde woman, I've never seen so many blonde women in one camera shot at one time. It is like a group of clones walking through the streets, all squealing and very excited for like sisterhood day and friendship day. (laughs) Sisterhood day was a big one. Look, I have to say... I understand little about sorority culture and I imagine we have some American listeners reaching out. So please come to our Instagram on Friday when we do Your Say Friday and tell us if we're being ridiculous. But do you understand that from a bird's eye view as someone who basically has no understanding of sorority culture that this looks completely ridiculous on my TikTok feed? It's just like insane. There was one video I sent to you last night, Michelle, where I was like, I just can't even fathom that this is real, where they're all sitting in a big stadium and they all have their little (laughs) envelopes and then they go three two one and then everyone opens their envelope to work out what sorority they're going to and there are just piercing screams the sad thing is in that video so all these girls like screaming and like shaking because they're so excited to get into like kappa kappa delta or something (laughs) 
But then there would have been women in that crowd who didn't get picked by yes. a sorority. There are hundreds of people who don't get picked. What do you do? You just sit there and go, oh, while everyone around you is just like absolutely losing it with excitement. It is mind-blowing. I mean, on a more serious note, it absolutely should be noted that according to NPR, the reason that this is just such an overwhelmingly white, blonde kind of thing to do is that insanely Alabama's sororities weren't desegregated until 2013. Wild. Eight years ago, which meant black women were not allowed to join sororities until then. Data from 2018 did show that less than 4% of women in sororities were black. I know that was three years ago, but that was the most recent data that I could find. And in total, about 20% of the sororities were women of colour. But these are completely overwhelmingly white. And even though it was desegregated eight years ago, there hasn't been much movement at all. No, we will post one of these videos to our stories when we do Your Safe Friday because I truly don't think you can get the vibe <laughs> unless you see it. And once you've watched enough, you almost start emulating their like presence. It's like the accent and the earrings. They're all wearing such chunky, colourful <laughs> earrings all the time. People in the comments will be like, Babe, just letting you know, a girl with curly brown hair is already wearing that summer dress. Maybe change it to something else. Or like someone's wearing those Steve Madden shoes. And it's like, what the fuck have I found myself well, in? All the brands are the same. Sorry, we're still talking about Steve this. Madden. My top is Lulu. Um, and then it's like, <laughs> the one that really got me is like, jewellery, normal. I'm like, what does that mean? Does that mean your everyday jewellery? Anyway. Your accent's uh, brilliant, by the way. Stop. Don't egg her on. And it was like having conniptions over here. Anyway, that is all I've got for you. Thank you. That was so that bad. Was terrible. Can I have a do-over? No, nope. absolutely not. <laughs> Fuck. Hmm. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words. Zara, say hello to our new segment. It is called the Shameless Mailbag. Hello. <laughs> We will be doing this every now and then whenever the mood strikes. But today, this week, we felt like opening the mailbag and speaking to you guys directly was important because this week has been particularly hard and the mood is a very different one to every other week this year. The world has felt grey and bleak as it has intermittently over the last 18 months and our energy levels were steadily dropping. We wanted to know from you guys, are you feeling the same way? We polled more than 50,000 shameless listeners and Resoundingly, you told us, yes, we are. In fact, 84% of you say you are feeling more disconnected from family, friends and the world right now. 94% of you say you're currently feeling more depleted than usual too. But Zara, it was after those polls that a listener jumped into our inbox. They reached out to us with an email that really intrigued us. Yeah, so... We got this email around the time that we decided to check in with everyone else and see if we were just the crazy ones or if we were feeling like exceptionally more depleted than usual. And this is the email that we got. Hey, Team Shameless. I saw your Instagram stories about feeling depleted and disconnected and I felt compelled to share something that has always made me feel closer to the people around me. My partner and I devised the ultimate four questions for reconnecting with a loved one and we've always found that centering a conversation around these same four questions is the best way to grow closer. I encourage you to ask your loved ones these four questions on your next Zoom video chat or phone call because they 100% make you feel better. I'm not going to read the questions out now because we're going to do them in a second. But when we read this, Mish, we thought, well, this is a really interesting thing because I said to you, I haven't had like a really proper conversation with anyone in a long time because I actually don't have the energy to. When I mm. catch up with people for a walk, 
feels very surfacey, like very much of the moment, what's going on right now. And then I thought about you and I, and I was like, have we had a proper conversation mm. in a while? No, everything's about like, did you see this thing on Twitter? Have you seen this latest news update? Have you seen this article? It's all about like the doom and gloom going on in the world right now, rather than like actually checking in spiritually even with yeah. like, how are you actually doing? How are you coping? And I have asked my friends, like, how are you guys going? But even then it's very surfacey still. It's like, I'm drained today or I'm okay today. And then the conversation never really goes deeper than that. Well, I still find the question of how are you like really important, but something that still can't get much deeper than that. Mm. And it's like, so often when lockdowns are announced or whatever it might be, it's like checking on your mates, but it's like, okay, well, how do you do that beyond just quickly texting them? How are you? And getting that standard reply. I think these questions might do it because I think it'll just encourage a deeper conversation that makes people feel a bit more full and whole. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we were coming to doing this episode, we thought, what do people need right now? What do we need? We need nourishment and we need wholesomeness. We don't need another celebrity story in a time when people are just feeling like they need energy. So we're hoping that this conversation will give you guys what you're craving right now. Annabelle, I will throw it to you. You're going to ask us these questions. What's these... number one? I read this once and then I forgot. What is number <laughs> one? Okay, so number one is what do you like and dislike most in people? Ooh. Okay, should we start with what we like in people? Yeah, that's nice. I wanted to start with what I dislike. <laughs> what I like most in people. This is so funny because I think that you'd think that maybe you could answer for your closest friends, but maybe the interesting part about this is they will still probably surprise you. Mm. I mean, fundamentally what I like most in a person, I think immediately is warmth of any mm. kind. I think that there's something I really struggle with when people don't think they owe you warmth. And I know that might be a weird way to put it, but it's like, especially in a power dynamic, right? When you're walking into a room where someone clearly has more power over you, them offering warmth, I think is the kindest thing they can do because I think it puts everybody else at ease. I absolutely agree with that. And you really notice it when there's a lack of warmth, it feels quite icy and it's quite difficult to kind of break past and it makes you feel uncomfortable. I yes. would hope that I would try to be warm to the people who come into my orbit. Yeah. And I, you are definitely the same. I mean, I, you always are sometimes caught in off moments. <laughs> Let's like not put it on the record that we both have. Sarah McDonald was not warm to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think there is something about it. Like, I just think it's like putting people at ease and making people feel comfortable. And I think that's a very generous thing to do, to be able to be conscious of how other people feel in any given space. Yeah. What yeah, about I you? That. I like it when people go out of their way to make other people feel good, which I think is another way yeah. of wording exactly what you did. But I think noticing something thing even when I scroll through TikTok which is an app that I'm spending the most time on right now because it makes me feel the most joy is I find on TikTok often the top comments beautifully are people pointing out a comment to the person in the video that's not even related to the video like I really love what you're wearing or wow you have cool style or oh my gosh your eyelashes are so pretty like I know a lot of those are surface comments but I really do in enjoy that attitude of giving people compliments and pushing people up and bolstering them when there's absolutely no incentive to do so, you just want to do it. Like I love hearing someone compliment another person unprompted because I think that makes someone's day so much better. And for that to occur to someone to go, I'm going to tell this person something that's just nice about them because I want them to feel good is a really beautiful quality. Yeah, I really like that. And I think growing up, particularly maybe for young people, I reckon there's a bit of embarrassment about being overly nice to people or coming on too strong. Mm. Do you get that sense that some people are kind of trying to hold back sometimes because they're like, oh, I don't want to be too much or I don't want to be mm. OTT. But it's like the older I get, the more I'm like, I'd rather someone say I was too much and too nice or did too much of X than did none of it. Yeah. 
What about what you don't like? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The way I would sum this up in my head is transparent egomania. (laughs) It's just like quite extreme. (laughs) So egomania is, I guess, being egotistical, being arrogant. But I hate that kind of transparent egomania where someone is clearly acting in their own best interests. They are self-serving, but they're trying to mask it almost as something else. I don't know how to word that any other way. Is this like particularly niche for you, Anna? No, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and I think you see it in the industry a little bit. I'm not talking about specifically to podcasting, but I think the kind of anyone who is a public figure or anyone who is in the media at large, I think you do encounter some individuals who are very egomaniacal and I find it incredibly off-putting. Yeah, it's so funny because mine is just arrogance in general. And this is something that I've had to unpack a lot over the last couple of years, because I think I was definitely raised, like I reckon if there was one way that I was raised, it was like always stay humble. Like humility is the greatest thing that you can carry. Like don't shout about your achievements, just put your head down and work. Mm. And so when I started working in the media and people have to shout about their work. I found myself in like this real position of like confusion because I was like, I kind of have to shout about my work in some way because otherwise no one's going to hear it or see it. I'm just not going to have a job. But second to that, it's like, God, people shout to the nth degree. But then the thing that I think I've really been struggling with is I still really don't like arrogance. Nothing's changed, but I really have to unpack in myself are arrogant people actually hurting anyone? And am I wasting a lot of energy and emotion on this one characteristic when there are far worse characteristics out there? I don't think generous arrogant people are hurting anyone. I think self-serving arrogant people are hurting other people because they're acting in a way that only serves themselves. And when you're serving yourself, you're often taking things away from other people. But I do think you can be an arrogant person who's still a good person. I agree with that. But why do I still find it so off-putting? Like, why Mm. do I find ego? Like I can, you know, when you think of people with an ego and you have like a list in your head and you just like feel so off-put by that. I'm like, why does that bother me so much when actually they're not hurting the world? I think that's something that I'm trying to unpack in myself that I'm definitely not there yet. Which is so interesting because we love celebrities. We love celebrity culture. And I would argue that celebrities definitely have bigger egos than the average person. You have to have a big ego to be a celebrity and to put yourself out there and to be an actress or like a pop star. You're going to be someone with a bigger or healthier ego than the average person. And yet we we love celebrities. But I think because we don't know their personalities. Like we don't know that. We see them as caricatures. So it's people in our everyday life that we say that with. We're just like, shut up. I think I wonder if people will be surprised because our answers so far have been quite similar, right? Like a general sense of warmth and generosity and then a general sense of sort of arrogance (laughs) and a more extreme example of egomania. We haven't really picked those two characteristics where people are like actively harming the world. Mm. And I wonder if that is really normal. Like if people were to ask themselves these questions, if they would say, yeah, what I dislike most in people, like, is it nastiness? Like nastiness just Mm. doesn't come, even though I despise nastiness. It just doesn't come to my head first. God, these questions really remind me of um, Flex Mommy's Reflex game. Oh, yeah, game. 100%. That, oh, yeah, that's so true. That is a great game as well, so actually. Good, yeah. What's our next question, Annabelle? The next one is, what's your biggest vulnerability? Oh, God, that's deep. <laughs> I have so many. Um, <laughs> where do I start? Oh, my goodness. Okay, my biggest vulnerability would be my chronic illness. I know that sounds unusual, and I don't talk about it very much on the podcast at all. But I think I feel very self-conscious about my body not functioning in the optimal way. And I think I often feel like I'm not enjoying life or not experiencing life to what I could if I didn't have a chronic respiratory 
illness or multiple chronic respiratory illnesses at this point. I think chronic illness makes me feel vulnerable. It makes me feel weaker than what I would like to. And therefore, it really gets to me mentally as well. I think it affects my overall disposition. I think a lot of people with chronic illness would agree with that, that there is a sense of like, I mean, I've spoken about anger about chronic illness, like anger towards my body, Mm. which I think is like your, your perception of your own body is like it's not functioning in the way that it should and therefore... I'm angry at it and also it feels more vulnerable than the average body because you're like, what is going on in there? Yeah. Like you'd almost like <laughs> get your a, shit together. <laughs> like a full x-ray of my body being like, what does mine look like compared to the next person? What about emotionally though? I mean, I think I'm getting better at this, which I'm really happy about. But I think certainly last year and certainly still day to day in certain amounts, although lower amounts, I do care what other people think of me. And I don't know what my relationship with that should be like. Like how much should I care what people think of me when realistically we have a podcast with lots of listeners we have a platform that crosses a lot of people's eyeballs a lot of people's ear holes if that's <laughs> and people Ew. will not like me like I yeah. know people won't like me and that's fine in some ways but then in other ways I can't help but admit that hurts like that yeah. physically and spiritually hurts me that I cause this feeling of like anger or frustration or annoyance in other people and I think for a long time I went through this introspection of being like how can I elevate parts of myself and minimize other parts of myself to be better received by the public but I'm trying to work through that at the moment I think I'm at a point in my life now where I am a lot better with public feedback and what I let affect me and what I kind of bounce away I think we're both in a much better place than we were. I think last year was like our roughest year. We had conversations about stopping the podcast. So many. I literally said to you so many times, like, I I cannot do this anymore. And I think that's absolutely fair. I don't think there'd be many people though. Well, I remember speaking to my psychologist about this, right? And and her saying like, I don't think you'd find many people who didn't care in the job that you're in about what people thought. And if they don't care, then perhaps they're a bit of a narcissist. Yeah. Like you can get to a point where you feel stronger and I definitely feel strong now, which is like a very empowering thing to feel. And I don't use that empowering word lightly. I kind Go of- Go girl. I hate, I hate that word. But what a girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck my life. Why did I do that? Hashtag bless. <laughs> I feel empowered. I'm so empowered. <laughs> Fuck me. Well, I do. Whatever. I'm strong. I feel in that power. <laughs> anyway, I think there is a sense of like, I don't even know where to go. Are now? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like I need to take off a layer. But I, I do definitely feel stronger is what I was trying to say. And so do you. Mm. But it would be impossible not to experience that because it, part of you thinks, okay, well, how can I mould myself t- to have the maximum amount of people like me. And yeah. it's like, that's just bullshit. I think when we used to come onto these microphones and think like, how do we speak in a way that's not going to annoy people? We're putting out the shittest content ever. Oh, it's so boring as well. It's so like, boring. I think if you're not offending anyone or if you're not putting anyone offside, you're probably not doing a very good job. Like yeah. if you're saying what is true to you, then that's basically all that matters. I think as well, to be honest, lockdown's a particularly hard time mm. to have a job where everyone is flocking to that one space at one time. Like if you're working in social media right now, you are getting a lot of feedback. Lockdown's very intense. I am not at all saying that our job is difficult compared to other people out there. Other people out there have far more difficult jobs than we do. Healthcare, aged care, to name just a couple of like a vast array of jobs that are more difficult than a podcaster. But I think you will probably see, and I've certainly seen this week, some people who work online need breaks from their phone because there's a lot of anger on the internet right now. And I think sometimes feedback during times of distress 
is pushed onto anyone who exists on the internet or who posts a lot on the internet. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, my answer to this question is not dissimilar to yours, I think, anyway, because I think when I thought, what is your biggest vulnerability, that people would think that perhaps I'm not putting enough good into the world. Like I think constantly. And I think we've had conversations about this too. Am I a good person? Am I doing enough good? Are we doing enough good? And that's not some like great big Pollyanna, like all we want to do is good. But I think Mm. it's like this deep insecurity that is also a vulnerability to make sure it's like, how do I know that I'm not just like causing deep amounts of harm? And then it's like, maybe that's just like a crazy deep seated anxiety Mm. that needs work. But I think maybe I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people felt like that, like every so often had some sort of like existential question to be like, how do I know that I'm even doing enough good? Or how do I even know that I'm doing enough that's kind of helping other people? Because Mm. sometimes you just wake up, go to work, go home every day and can very much get caught up in the monotony of your own life. Mm. Annabelle, question three. Yes. How do you feel about the saying, live life with no regrets? Do you have regrets? If so, what are they? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> This is I'm like, just picturing that scene in that movie where the guy has a tattoo on his chest is like no rag rat. It's the one. It's just a meme tangent. now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I only know it is a meme. I actually didn't know that was from a movie. This is probably a huge privilege speaking, but I don't think a lot about regrets and mm. I don't like lay awake at night being like Oh, I have so many regrets. I mean, if I was laying awake at night for a regret, it would be like, why did I say that like dumb fucking thing to that (laughs) person like three years ago? But that would be about it. But in terms of like, if I was to sit down and be like, what do I really regret? Maybe how I've dealt with like relationship breakdowns in the past, be Mm -hmm. it romantic or even friendship. Like I really don't think those scenarios have brought out the best in me in the past, but then I'm like, do they bring out the best in anyone? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think I am a person who does tend to regret things, which is why I would never get a tattoo, Annabelle Lee, because (laughs) every time- I get worried about getting married and having a wedding dress that I'm going to (laughs) have. Exactly. The wedding dress thing, I'm like, I'm going to regret this in 10 years, no matter what I pick. But same with the tattoo. I am a person who tends to look back at decisions I've once made and kind of try and unpick them and really micro analyze them. Do I have regret? I think I do have regret, particularly high school regret. Yeah. I feel like going to an all girls high school, you sometimes get caught up in dynamics or cliques where you behave in a way, particularly as a teenager, that you wouldn't want to or that isn't very glowing of your character and I think certainly I look back at certain things that happened in high school and I was not a bully or anything like that I think I just got caught up in friendship circles sometimes and I think there can be a lot of bitchiness there can be a lot of snarkiness in those dynamics and sometimes I actually regret being a bystander to that instead of intervening I think sometimes I used to just watch things unfurl instead of actually speaking up and sharing my opinion and to be honest I love it when I watch reality TV and someone does speak up and does step up in those scenarios because now I would hope that I'm a person that if I see something unraveling that I'm not comfortable with or that I think is unfair I would use my voice to talk about it. Yeah, that's so true. I don't even think it's about looking back on behaviour that you think it was even particularly ugly. Like you were saying, like I wasn't a bully or anything like that. I don't look back at like various relationship breakdowns and think like I was an awful person. I was toxic. I don't actually think that I was. I just look back and I think like I wasn't the best version of myself then and I know that whatever those relationships were, their last memory of me is not my best one. Like, And that is a strange thing to kind of grapple with, to be like what do they actually think of me after all of that? Mm. Finally, your last question. What's one thing you hope to never forget? Yeah. <gasps> okay. So as a kid, we used, to <laughs> oh, have, awesome. we used to have special days with our parents. So once a year, each kid 
with each parent would have a special day where you could do whatever you wanted. Now, on top obviously, of a birthday. On top of a birthday, wow. yeah. That's so, such so a nice. good idea. It was really beautiful and I really remember some of it. Now, obviously, when I say the kids can do whatever they wanted, that would have been within like a certain price limit. The sky was not the limit. Time zone was the limit or like a movie ticket. Oh, what? That's not, a, that's not a limit. That exactly. Is, that is just never-ending goodness. So as bonding, mum or dad would take one of the kids out for the day and you'd be able to go to like Luna Park or you'd be able to go to a football match or you'd be able to go for a tour of the city on the tram or something. <laughs> and I just remember special days with my mum and my dad and I definitely want to carry that into how I parent one day. I also want to carry in the routine of dinners at the family dining table because I remember having great chats, really wholesome, nourishing, educational chats with my parents growing up around that dinner table. We never watched TV while we ate dinner and I really want to do that as well. Yeah, we had the same. I don't know if our chats were wholesome, which which is not to say my family isn't wholesome, but God, we got into like some big political arguments. Yes, but that was, I reckon that was really good for me. It was great. It made, it's definitely made me smarter and more empathetic. My poor parents who were just like (laughs) the victims of it all, like us, because there were four of us in the same as you, four of you. We would all just go ham. I think for me, I was thinking about this a lot. Like what is one thing I've never, I never want to forget. And this is a really great question to ask yourself actually for anyone listening here, because it actually deliberately pulls you into your happier moments Mm. or your more wholesome moments. And it's nice to have a few to pick from, but the general feeling that I want to never forget was like this short period of time where I was actually single and I haven't really been single for a long time in my life and it's not a sexy... Our gal loves having a boyfriend. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a hot thing to admit, to be totally honest with you. I've basically been in a relationship since I was about 17. But there was this short period of time where I felt... I had come out of one really long relationship and I was not looking for anything at all. And I just remember feeling really good about things and feeling like for the first time ever, I can make deliberately selfish decisions. Like any decision that I make can really put me at the front of it. And I remember feeling really great about that. And I remember feeling really relieved about that, that I was just like just in charge of myself. And that is coming out of healthy relationships. It was just like this sense of me being alone. And I'm like, I hope I never forget that. Like, I hope I am with Ollie for a a long time. Being selfish the whole way through. (laughs) But I hope hope that I never forget that feeling of what it's like, A, to be alone and to actually enjoy it. Because I think to know that is going to encourage a more stable relationship anyway, that I'm not terrified of being alone, that I really loved it and I felt strongest in myself. Yeah. That that will always exist, perhaps, even if I'm not single for a long time. Yeah. I'm watching White Lotus at the moment. I know you are yeah. as well. Zara, are you watching it, Annabelle? No, I haven't. My roommate started and she said she didn't like it. Oh, oh yeah. can you start it? I want to talk about it next week once we're all done. Yeah. I think you'll love it, Annabelle. There's this one analogy given in episode two where she says, you don't want to be the moon to his planet. You want to be separate planets. And yeah. I think that's a really great way to put it that I would hope in a relationship I always have my own stuff going on. I'm always filling my own cup, not growing into the one person. Like that's really important to me. And you have to make a conscious effort to do that. Like anyone who's been in a really long-term relationship will know that like you have to make a conscious effort to make sure that that doesn't happen. But I just want to hold on to that feeling forever, hopefully, because it was a great one and it's one I hope to always come back to. Mm. Annabelle, we'll ask you this last question before we wrap up this Pretty extra long episode of Shameless today. (laughs) What is one thing you hope to never forget? Well, my mind went straight to childhood memories Mm. just because I feel like even though it wasn't the easiest childhood, we had some really, really lovely memories, especially between my sister and I. I never want to forget the kind of 
shelter and warmth that she brought into my childhood. Oh, and no. I don't know, I just feel like I know when you were like crying, <laughs> when you were saying your childhood moment, I was like a bit teary. <laughs> but this is supposed to be a happy segment. No, but this is what people want to talk about, I think. Yeah, so I just never want to forget all that my sister's done for me. And I know that she will continue to do nice things and lovely, caring things for me. But that relationship is super special to me. And it's been special to me since my childhood, since I can remember. Shout out to Amanda. I was going to say, shout, big shout out to Amanda. <laughs> Thanks for bringing the wholesomeness to the episode. No, Annabelle, that's beautiful. I love that so yeah. much. Hey, guys, we'd love for you guys to actually do these four questions. Send this episode to a loved one. Sit down with your partner tonight. Call your mum. Video call your group chat. We'd love to hear your own responses to these questions. I certainly feel more nourished and like whole after asking them and answering them. Yeah, and... I- I mean, I've worked with you for years. I've known you for years, but it's you can know someone inside out. I mean, I spend more time probably talking to Michelle than anyone in my life. And yet you lucky can you. still <laughs> lucky, lucky me. You can still learn stuff about people. And I think that's what's missing in the current climate right now because yeah. we don't have the energy to. So yeah. you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> no, actually, we should thank our... We should thank our anonymous listener for actually throwing these to us. i got to say, Mish, I've really enjoyed this new segment. Yeah, same. And, guys, if you have something that you want to send into the shameless mailbag for the next time we rummage through it, open it and pick one out, please send us an email to hello at shamelessmediaco.com. So that's shamelessmediaco.com. Yeah, throw us an email. But for now, that is all we've got time for. Yeah, guys, thank you so, so much. If you enjoyed this episode of Shameless, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review if you're feeling generous. As we said in this segment, we will try not to take it to heart if you (laughs) send us a (laughs) one-star. Yeah. Surely no one's doing that after today. Like any other episode is fine but fucking god lord have some mercy (laughs) give us a break just for a day also hit follow on spotify Spotify. getting lost follow us on instagram at shameless podcast i'm sweating already talking about one star reviews that's fine annabelle anything from you no not really (laughs) see you guys on monday bye Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.